Welcome to Beyond the Roadmap, Product Talk with AWH, a podcast for product people, by product people. Join us as experts share their experiences and expertise to help you build great products. Well, welcome everyone to another Beyond the Roadmap podcast. My name is Lucas Latour and I am the host. Today, my guest is Sean Leitner. Sean Leitner is VP and Senior Product Manager at KeyBank and also CTO at Sway Mobility. Sean has spent two decades building products, being innovative and solving problems using technology, working in various tech roles in both the public sector and private sector. And he's also an avid networker creating the Cleveland Product Networking Group in 2017 to support Cleveland's product community. Sean, welcome to the show. I'm excited to, to talk about your experiences, man. Thanks, Lucas. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So you you do a, a lot of different things. I wonder how you have any time in your life. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, man, I'm curious about the the journey and and really just like how how you got into product in the first place. Uh, yeah, good question. It's an interesting journey. You guys are fl- reflect back upon it. It was a bit intentional, but also a bit by accident. I had a computer science degree out of Bowling Green. Did software development for eight or nine years for a couple of different companies using various technologies and various tech stacks. You know, really had a watershed moment though when I was developing. A business analyst came to me and said, "You know, we need to build this report for this customer." Uh, when I was working in the public sector, and you know, I had some questions about you know what problem were we trying to solve? You know, what what was the job that the user is trying to do? You know, I had some different ideas and possible different solutions. And the business analyst said, you know, no, this is what we committed to. You know, you need to deliver it in six weeks or what have you. And I said, well, I want your job. I wanted to be closer to the problem. I want to understand the challenges the, uh, the customer is facing, you know, the opportunities to create different solutions for them. And that started my product journey, then went into business analysis you know, pre-Agile, um, and then when we adopted Agile, became a certified Scrum product owner, ascended to product management, oversaw a team of eight people, including product owners, business analysts, UX designers, project managers, and ended up here at KeyBank at Sway Mobility, um, and that's my product journey. Yeah, that's awesome. So it, it sounds like you, you kind of had an interesting way into product, which many people do. I mean, at the time, was it really even understood like that there's product management as a discipline uh, were you even thinking about it in those terms at that point no definitely not i mean we did have a product manager role where i was at but it was more more project management i think it was mm-hmm. aspirational in terms of title but you know day-to-day work was not really you know driving the strategy it was more about you know ensuring uh, we were able to deliver the solutions that were kind of uh, dreamed up by customers in a lot of ways. So I think the product management discipline has grown significantly since then. This was probably mid 2000, 2010, uh, 2008, um, when it kind of, kind of took off in a lot of ways at a lot of different organizations and, you know, the priority and the critical nature of the role kind of came into, uh, into view for a lot of organizations, including where I was at. So, 
you know, driving that strategy and becoming a product-led organization with product-led solutions. But when I got into it, no, I would say it was not a fully baked uh, discipline, fully baked role, uh, even understood what the responsibilities day-to-day were. Um, And then, you know, how to inject yourself into those uh, strategic conversations or even some of those, you know, marketing, sales, operational conversations. Hmm. What, just out of curiosity, what out of all of the things with product management gets you really the most excited? Um, really, I'm, I'm a solution-oriented person, and that might harken back to my days uh, of being a software engineer. Um, you know, I really try to look at problems in many different ways, really think creatively about how we can solve those problems. You know, there's so many technology solutions out there nowadays to be able to solve problems for customers using technology, um, whether you build it yourself, whether you partner with a vendor, you know, whether you buy a solution. It can be hosted anywhere. You've got a lot of hosting different solutions, a lot of different channels in which the customers want to engage with you. So there's a, you know, it's the problem solving aspect. It's the solution in those of determining what those solutions are, um, really breaking down the problem into being something as, as simple as possible. You know, that, that kind of energizes me. That kind of um, you know, wakes me up in the morning and say, you know, this is ready what I want to tackle today and how can we best do it? And some of those things, you know, take some time, maybe have a long runway, but that's what really energizes me about product management. I love that. The problem solving aspect is, is so, is so huge. And uh, I think it really drives a lot of people uh, in the product management space. So I, I want to ask a little bit about, you know, key bank and, you know, tell us a little bit about it. I know a lot of people have probably heard of key bank cause it's huge, but just tell us a little bit about that and like what, what sort of products you oversee. Absolutely. Key bank is a super regional bank. Um, like you said, many of our listeners might already bank at key bank or are very familiar with them. You know, it's headquartered here in Cleveland, um, about 1500 branches, 16 different States around the United States, all the typical banking solutions that you would expect, uh, checking accounts, savings accounts, mortgages, merchant services, wire transactions, wealth management. You know, we support all types of businesses, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, up to corporate and institutional uh, accounts. You know, personal banking obviously is important as well. You know, the products I oversee, I'm more focused my role on the commercial digital solutions. So focusing on small businesses, mid-sized businesses, providing you know, services like ACH, check capture, merchant services, invoicing, payables, receivables, marketing campaigns, you know, really focusing on, and that's both in the web and mobile app channels, you know, ensuring that we have the best customer experience across those channels, uh, meet the customers where they are, you know, providing uh, value to them for their businesses. Um, you know, we saw last year, during, uh, and even some to some degree this year with COVID-19, the impact on small businesses, you know, trying to create digital solutions for our clients to be able to, so they can get back to focusing on, on the things they want to focus on, and that's running their small business and not get bogged down with, you know, arduous or cumbersome, you know, banking platforms, you know, or, or even taking time to go into a branch to do certain activities. You know, certainly things like you can self-service uh, yourself through a mobile app or a website. So really, those are the pro- you know products I oversee for KeyBank and how we bring value to our business banking clients. 
Sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, one of the things we, we talked about last time we chatted is sort of this, and you touched on it a little bit in in your previous answer is this idea of creating like a a consistent product experience. And uh, I think last time we were talking about it sort of in the context of like retail as like an example I guess just to, because I know this is one of the things that you you think about a lot. I guess, what do you think are some of like the main concerns, the things that people should be thinking about when it comes to creating a consistent product experience? Or, or maybe even just we could think about like, what is the problem first? And then like, what are some of the, the things to think about with creating a, cre- a consistent product experience? Yeah, for sure. You know, balancing... Understanding where the customer behavior is, you know, mm-hmm. there's lots of metrics out there in analytics you can use to determine the usage of the, your different channels, whether it's web or mobile app or even in branch, for example. You know, the customer behavior drives what channels which have which channels have which capabilities. You know, there are certain things you can do easily within a mobile app that might be, um, you know, think of account summaries, for example, or depositing a single check. Very simple, very straightforward, uh, ubiquitous. You know, every uh, online banking app has those capabilities. Uh, but there are certain things when you think of small businesses that you may not want to do um, through a mobile app. You would do through a website, for example. Uh, even still, self-service like onboarding a merchant services agreement, you know, or, or downloading your uh, your monthly transactions uh, reports. You know, researching you know transactions or or fraud potential fraud activity, things like that. So, you know, understanding the usage of those channels, which capabilities you want in each of those channels, you know, obviously keep an eye on your competition about what they're doing, but, you know, ultimately you want to create the best user experience. Um, and, and sometimes you have to simply do the simple thing and that's ask your customers, you know, how are mm-hmm. they using it? Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, surveys aren't necessarily the best solution, but, you know, things like interviews or, or job shadowing, those kinds of things and understand, you know, how your customers are using your different products so that you can make sure you're investing in the right areas. Because sometimes you may want to do the, the best, greatest, uh, sweetest implementation, but if your customers don't find value in it, you know, it's time to bail and move on to something else. Having worked in, you know, all of these different areas, uh, different industries with different types of products, what would you say makes working with like banking products different than working with, you know, like other types of products? Banking products, you know, they're needed by everybody. So, which is good and bad, right? There's a lot of focus on it. There's a lot of players, a lot of uh, competition, whether it be your regional, super regional peers, whether it be your global titans, whether it be your fintechs and your community banks, credit unions. So there's a lot of competition, but there's also a lot to learn from the competition and and from ourselves, right? We can, as product people uh, in a bank, you can also lean on your own experience because we all have to have a bank of some sort to manage our money, you know, whether in how we use it, whether it be, you know, web or mobile and branch, things like that. You know, that uh, that's what makes it unique uh, because we are both consumers or and product people at the same time. Now, we don't necessarily all own businesses, so you can't look at it from a, a large corporate account perspective. But, you know, we have it, it's ubiquitous and it's everywhere and omnipresent. So, you know, we can learn from that 
and we can also learn from our competition because there's a lot of you know insights we can gain from our competitors. Um, there's a lot of vendors and, and consulting groups that you can use. A lot of research that's out there about you know what different banking platforms have, what the capabilities they need to have, where we should invest. You know, uh, net promoter scores, for example. Um, you know, you can look at lots of different things and learn from others and improve your products for your clients. So unlike some other uh, industries where it may not be as prevalent, I was in the federal space for a long time and there's there's not too many competitors for the federal space, for the federal government, right? There's the reason the federal government has to do some things is because nobody else is going to do it. So, you know, there, there's not as much competition, so not as much to learn, uh, even if you do have to end up using it. So that's that's one thing, uh, you know, I guess the pros and the cons of working in banking, you can you can learn a lot from others, but there's a lot of competition as well. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, one of the things that uh, I, I kind of want to ask you about, and maybe you can answer it generally or, you know, specifically, however you want to take it, but how do you incorporate things like Agile into your product development life cycle? Yeah, at KeyBank, we have a strong Agile and continuous uh, delivery. We made a good amount of investment there. Like I said, there's a lot of competition in financial services. So you you have to be able to address things quickly. You have to get your minimum viable product out there. Right? You always have to be consistently looking for the the next solution um, and pivoting where your investment's being made um, as customer behavior changes or more competition stands up against you. We provide, you know, we use these methodologies both on the consumer side and the commercial side including our recent launch for Laura World for Doctors, the banking platform. You know, we have areas of, of practice in-house that help us, you know, improve, continuously improve our efforts. And that's around, you know, software development or architecture, Scrum. We have a product guild that allows us product people to get together and learn about how we can be better product people and align our efforts toward the strategy and improve communication, you know, leveraging tools, you know, brainstorming solutions. At Sway Mobility, for example, um, you know, that's just ingrained in our behavior. Um, we're a startup and, you know, things like minimum viable product and quick iterations are critical, right, as you're trying to stand up a new company and bring value. You know, there's very little competing priorities there in a smaller environment because you're, you know, hyper-focused on the one solution, the one problem you're trying to solve, as opposed to a company like KeyBank or when I was in the federal government, right, there's a lot of competing priorities um, and you have to assess which one brings the most value or which one's the most critical for for the time, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, it, it's almost natural to look at things from an Agile perspective nowadays. I mean, the Agile Manifesto has been, was written, what, 18 years ago now or so. So, you know, it's 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 commonplace in a lot of ways. The community is very well known. You know, the uh, people you hire have been exposed to it in many different industries. And there's different ways of implementing, of course, but you know it's, it's it's easier to implement it nowadays in you know product development. Uh, but you know it's still there's always some hurdles because there's always challenges in large organizations in terms of you know competing priorities or you know regulation or risk management and data security and those types of things. But you know we try to do the best we can. Mm. So. Um... You touched on on sway mobility a little bit, and and I, I think it would be interesting just at this point to tell us a little bit about like what sway mobility is, and 
you know, kind of what, what you do over there. Yeah, so Sway Mobility is a car share as a service platform, which allows universities, residential complexes, corporate campuses to provide their students, uh, residents, and employees the ability to move around without the use of a personal car. You know, when you look at a mid-sized uh, city like Cleveland, 30 to 40, 50% of downtown residents in apartment buildings don't have a personal car. They don't own a car. You know, they use public transportation around, they use, you know, um, ride sharing. And, you know, we thought as an amenity to the property, if they had a car share as a service, a complete turnkey solution, it would allow them, their residents to um, have a different mobility solution. It's an amenity of the property that might be a differentiator for their residents as they choose to stay or they choose to come to a, a new property. You know, it's a complete solution with, you know, with the car, insurance, you know, booking, reservation, those types of things. You know, it's ultimately filling a void in certain, um, you know, like mid-sized cities like Cleveland, Columbus, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Austin, even that, you know, really fills the transportation paradox in terms of, you know, public transportation or you need a, you need a good car to get a good job or you need it, but you need a good job to get a good car. You know, and I think people are just assessing the need and the expense of a personal car ownership. And if there's other solutions using technology to be able to move about a little bit more easily without the cost of a personal car. So this is kind of interesting because you're in sort of the CTO role over at Sway and you're doing more of a, a, like at least in terms of the title, direct like product role over at KeyBank. I guess, are those roles significantly different for you or like how, how much are you involved in sort of the product management over at Sway? Um, you know, at a, at a startup, obviously you have to wear many hats, but I think even when you look at a technology role, a startup, you're still hyper-focused on the product you're building. Yes, you might be more, more directly in tune with a technology team uh, or vendor or service that you're implementing, uh, but you're still heavily focused on the product because without that intense focus on the product, pushing a, a technology solution out there where you know, the business need is not present or you can't make money at the product you're building, it doesn't do any good. So I think when we look at, and this is a in general product management uh, discipline emphasis is having a focus on the product and not just, you know, the technology you're building, you know, what problems you're trying to solve for the customer, what, uh, how do you align your product and your technology, your solutions with the strategic vision of the organization. Um, so it's, it's good to have, in my opinion, a product focused technology person, particularly at a startup, as you build the product. Uh, as you implement the technology. Um, so they, they're different, but there are themes throughout, you know, my two roles there that are similar. Gotcha. And you kind of touched on it a bit earlier, but um, do you think that managing a product in a startup uh, is significantly different from managing a, a product at a, at a large organization? Or I guess, like, how would you compare those two things? Uh, yeah, I would say they're, they are much different. You think there, you know, ultimately you have in the startup space, you have more freedom to be able to implement what you need to do, when you need to do it. And you have to be able to pivot quickly. You know, if you're getting feedback from customers or, you know, a, a vendor you're using pushes out a new feature or your 
financial backers want to take in a different direction, those types of things. And you're constantly learning about what your product is, what your market uh, needs or demands. And in a large company, either don't get that feedback as quickly or you already have products, you're already making money, you already have customers, you can reach out to them directly and you have a larger technology stack that you have to be able to maintain, which requires you know care and feeding from a you know an upgrade uh, security perspective. So you know there there's significant difference between the two. Obviously, in a startup space, you have customers that you're trying to sell towards, and in a large organization, you'll have customers that you're trying to sell towards. But you know the pace at which you can you move is significantly different, and you have to be able to be nimble more nimble in a startup space than you would have to be in a large organization gotcha i'm curious you know it's it's kind of a problem for both big organizations and startups but like you just mentioned a big organization is is much more established and already has customers and i'm just curious your take on sort of creating personas for for different product lines and like, how do you approach that generally? Um, yeah, creating personas is hugely important, um, no matter the kind of organization you're in, even kind of the product you're building. Ultimately, I think you need to talk to talk to people. So interview, interview, interview. If there's, you know, the more you know about your customers, the better. And, you know, if you have a dispersed user community, like in banking, for example, or in the federal government space, or if you're a global organization, it's not necessarily as easy to do. You can't just walk down the hallway or walk down the street and, and interview somebody. But you know there are a lot of tools out there and sites that allow you to kind of aggregate that as much as you can, or have find a you know utilize a proxy group to be able to do that, like a customer success group, for example. But yeah, interview your users as much as you can. You know there's there's certain practices out there that that you have to live by to make sure you get a representative sample and uh, addressing any biases in your in your interview process or the questions you're asking. But you know you're ultimately looking for common demographic themes for your customers, uh, so you can build those personas that are representative of your customers and the people you're trying to target. You know things like what are the jobs that the customers are trying to solve? You know why would they use the product uh, that you're building or you're selling and what would it do to for them you know what value would it bring you know and it's not necessarily even pricing uh, because even if your product is priced better than your competition there needs to be additional value that it would bring to the customer before they would consider a switch because there's especially when you look at something like banking you know there's a lot of work that would have to go into switching from one bank to another you know, other demographic thing themes you look for would be occupation, you know, lifestyle. When we look at something like Sway Mobility and how a user would navigate, you know, where do they work? Where do they live? What do they like to do, you know, on the weekends or at nighttime? You know, would a car share solution be right for them? You know, where, what are their location? What are their, you know, how do they commute, uh, for example? Um, you know, spending habits, uh, experience, you know, things like that for banking, like what are their, what's their financial wellness look like? So, you know, trying to develop patterns there to be able to build those persona, those rich personas out. So, you know, you can engage with uh, those fictitious personas, but they're based in reality. So that the solutions you're building actually solve those problems. Yeah. You, you touched on some pretty interesting stuff there. So like, like when you think about value to the customer like one of the things you said is it's 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 relative to 
the alternative, which is, I guess, in many cases, competition. If you're super lucky, you have, you know, no competition, but that's pretty, pretty rare. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I guess like in terms of thinking about value, you know, some people will say like, oh, it's got to be, you know, 10 times better than the alternative or whatever. How do you, how do you think about uh, value? Do you have like a, you know, it has to be 10x better or uh, is it something less than that? Or how do you think about it? Yeah. Uh, you know, 10x aspirational, it's always good to strive towards that. But, you know, that's a good thing about agile, kind of back to your question earlier, is as long as you're making iterative steps toward a better solution and you and you can have tangible quantitative even qualitative feedback that shows that you are making progress you know that's a good thing about tools like net promoter score you can see your relative advancement of your product and the value you're bringing and it doesn't solve everything things like net promoter score but you know if you can bundle that together with you know analytics and surveys and customer satisfaction and and uh you know anecdotal feedback you know, then you can make sure that you're you're moving things forward and you're continuing to bring value. You're adding new customers. You're selling more product. You're you're keeping the customers you have. The customers you have are happier than they were before. So it's a lot of factors together. There's no one silver bullet. There's no one particular data point you're going to look at and say that's that's what I'm doing and that's I'm 10x better than I was before. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors that you need to account for there to ensure. You know, because all these customers are are interacting with your products in different ways. Um, they have different expectations for your products. You know, there's a lot of different factors uh, in play there to determine how well you're doing. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great answer. And um, I, I'm curious about something, and I don't I don't know uh, if you'll have a, a quick answer on this. Uh, but are there certain tools that you think? like are, are super valuable or like indispensable to or to your product management. Like you touched on some of the stuff like using, you know, external user groups. Uh, I, I'm just curious if, how do you, you know, are there any go-to tools that you think are indispensable to your, your process? I'm not really a tools guy. In my experience, my, I've seen often where organizations make decisions that, this tool will solve everything. If we just buy this, we'll be good. It doesn't work that way. Whether it's, you know, backlog management, whether it's a CRM or a CMS or um, more technical tools, you know, particularly when you look at a discipline like product management, it's trying to do a lot of things. There's a lot of stakeholders involved, many different views at which you want to look at the work you're undertaking or the work you're planning to undertake. So there's there's many different things, many different tools, and I, you know, every organization is different in terms of where they choose to invest in those tools. You know, obviously you have to do a couple different things, and there's lots of players out there for it. You know, there's, you know, a roadmap. You have to have a roadmap in some way, shape, or form that you can put your big rocks on, and you can share to business stakeholders, even customers potentially, even about where your organization and where your products are going. Um, you have to be able to manage your backlog in terms of, you know, what things are we going to actually deliver, you know, in sprints, um, you know, using Scrum or Agile, uh, whatever methodology you happen to choose to make sure that your your business analysts and your uh, developers, your architects, your testers are all on the same page. And then there's, you know, tools for 
customer relationship in terms of, okay, now we got these products out there, you know, how are they being used? Are we getting any feedback? You know, the analytics are part of that in terms of how, um, you know, with click-through rates or it's um, impressions, those types of things when you're talking digital tools. You know, there's, there's some things I, I tend towards, you know, whether it's the Adobe Suite for analytics, whether it's Jira for backlog management, you know, in terms of road mapping, there's a bunch of those, you know, AHA and product board and Confluence. You know, those are things I've run across in my career that are, are pretty valuable, but they're all, they're all, you know, they fall short in some aspects. All of them do so. And that may be just the nature of the product management discipline because of the sheer nature of all the things we're trying to achieve as product people, how we need to communicate uh, to our stakeholders, you know, how we need to gather uh, requirements or analytics um, or feedback from our customers. So there's many different tools that we like to use and that we need to use. Um, and there's really no suite of tools that gives you the complete package. So it's less about the tools, more how you use it and, and how you have a broader practice around like product as a discipline. That's right. Yep. So I, I'm curious about just for, with your experience, um, and especially with, you know, the different products that you manage and ones that sort of cross multiple channels, you know, what do you think are some of the, the big mistakes that people make when, when trying to manage, you know, products across multiple channels, multiple products, et cetera? Yeah, in my experience, you know, when, especially in large organizations, there are many ways we can, uh, customers use our products. When I think of my experience in banking or in the federal space um, or in retail, for that matter, in today's world, right, you can interact with these products in many different ways. When you think of, uh, you know, you can buy things online, you can buy them in store, you can, uh, you can buy them in a mobile app, you can make payments, you know, via in-person, over-the-phone, web, mobile app, you know, you can interface with your banking, you with your bank in many different ways. You know, in, in my experience, those are typically, those channels are built at different times with different decision makers, potentially even different methodologies and tech stacks. You know, the key to that is communication. And I know that's an overused phrase, but, you know, how can we align those, you know, those backlogs? How do we ensure that all those channels are communicating with each other when we develop these products? How do we ensure that we look at the user experience across those channels and potentially even in an omni-channel experience when somebody creates, you know, starts a loan application at home, but then they have questions they need to go into a branch to, to finish the application. So, you know, those things all need to work together. We need to look at the, you know, the problem the customer is trying to solve or the job that they're trying to do. And we realize that that product I'm building, it's not just about that product being the best it can, but it has to work in the, the whole journey for the customer because they might be able to use it in numerous different ways. So that's that's the biggest mm. um, challenge I've seen in the past where the communication doesn't happen across those channels. There's aware, there's not awareness uh, at pretty senior levels that you know the features and capabilities that we're pushing are not necessarily complementary and harmonious across those channels because we're not looking at it from the user's perspective. Mm. So Having having been a, a product manager for a while and working with product, I think you said like 20 years, I guess, what is your sense of what it takes to be a good product manager? 
yeah, there's there's a couple um, couple factors, a couple focuses a person needs to be a good product manager. One is hyper focus on the customer. You know, uh, really understanding what they're trying to do, the value that your product can bring to the customer. You know, what job they're trying to do, what the problem is they're trying to solve. You know, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from Confucius: "The first rule of of a wise leader is determining the problem to be solved." Really, kind of figuring out what the problem is you're trying to solve, and just be laser focused on that. And that typically has to do with you know the customer is aggravated with something, they don't understand, they can't do it. You know, it's taking too long, costs too much money, those types of things. So if you can focus on that, you know, that's priority number one. Second thing is never rust on your laurels. You know, particularly in today's world, you know, customer behavior changes very quickly. A competition could, uh, you know, come out of nowhere and eat your lunch. Um, so you really got to be focused on what you've done in the past and, and just leverage that going forward, not rest on your laurels, seeing if there's opportunity to make what you built, which might be really awesome, make that even just a little bit better. Uh, maybe not even 10x better, but, you know, just one iteration better, two iterations better. And the third, I would say, is you know, learn. Continue to learn about what your customers are doing. Continue to learn about the domain that you're in. Continue to learn about the practice or the discipline of product management. You know, a lot of people out there, there's so much free material out there nowadays on the internet and social media about learning from others. You know, um, you know lots of people you know, who write books or, or just tweet about things or create medium articles, you know, lots of material out there to learn about product management, the discipline, the practice, the mindset and the culture you need to have to be able to have a good product management skill set, and then translate that into having a strong product management discipline and practice within your organization. Those are, those are three things I would focus on. Awesome. Well, um, I guess just before we conclude, I just want to ask, are there things that were like, are, I know you do the, the Cleveland product networking group. Are there things going on up in Cleveland that people should know about? Where should people follow you, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cleveland product, uh, you can find us on meetup, uh, meetup.com slash Cleveland dash product dash meetup. Uh, our next event is April, uh, late April about product actually road mapping workshop with two people from industrial logic. You know, that's, that's my um, go-to networking group. Um, also on LinkedIn, you can find me there on Twitter as well at SH Leitner. So those are kind of ways to get in touch with me. You know, feel free to reach out anytime. Always looking to, like I said, learn from others, share my experiences. You know, product management is, is near and dear to my heart. So uh, willing to talk to anybody about it anytime. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was super fascinating. Great. Thanks for having me, Lucas. Appreciate it. Need some help with product? AWH is a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm here to help you create great digital products. Check out www.awh.net or follow us on Twitter at awhnet to learn more.